I'm Billy White. I'm Ethan King. And this is the Inside Out Archery Podcast. All right, so this is now episode six, our sixth podcast. And this will probably be the last one of this year. Well, no, no. No, we'll get one in beforehand because um, we got Christmas coming up. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas, Ethan. Yep, Merry Christmas, Billy. And um, may the archery Santa be in your favor to all of you this holiday season. The uh, Yeah, so you're getting ready to, it's the holidays. We got a lot of stuff going on. We got friends coming in town tomorrow night for night. I got stuff going on. Uh, my wife and I are Christmas Eve at our house with the in-laws. And then we're going to their house for Christmas Day after we open Prezi's. And then um, do some shooting next week. What do you got going on? You're getting ready to travel, aren't you? Yeah, I'm getting all my stuff packed up. I'm leaving to go home tomorrow after work. So I'm going to drive home. Hopefully make it, just drive straight through after I get off. Make it all the way home. Yeah. How long of a drive is that for you from PA to Kentucky? Uh, about 10 hours. Wow. Oh, that's not good. It takes me from here to, for, for me to get from Georgia to PA is about, about that, a little bit more, but that's not too bad then. It's a doable drive. And your Prius, that's like a tank of gas. Yeah, it'll probably end up being two-ish. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so I'm going to get everything loaded in there tonight. That way I can just leave. Whenever I get off work tomorrow. Gotcha. Try and, try and make it all the way home. But if I get tired, I'll pull over to rest area and take a nap. Yeah, listen to some podcasts. Listen to some music. Make some phone calls if you get tired. Yeah, that's the plan. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and get all the way there. That way I can get there and sleep in in an actual bed instead of just taking a nap in my car. Oh, yeah, we're makes doing, a huge difference. Especially on your back, that makes it in your neck. We're doing Christmas stuff uh, Friday. Oh, okay. Well, do, you, do your parents still have your room all done up? Like when you were a kid, you have all like your little trophies and stuff in there and like your posters of like swimsuit girls and stuff still hanging up like when you go home? Uh, So, no. So, my I brought all my I brought all your all swimsuit my posters with, with me up here because I'd actually just bought a whole new bedroom suit not long before I moved uh, so I brought all that with me and they turned my old bedroom into a room for my niece and then my brother's old bedroom is like the quote unquote guest room now so that's where I'll be oh okay so now you're going to be in your brother's room it's going to be weird getting so used to growing up in that house in one spot yeah, same. That's pretty cool, though. I grew up as an Air Force brat, so we moved around like every couple of years. Uh, longest stint, though, was um, for us was was living in England, in Holland. Like we spent like nine years over there, so it was like came back to states when I was like seventeen. Oh well. But uh, we didn't have like a home that we stayed in for like long periods or anything to go back to. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's no. I mean, it's I've lived in that house my entire life. My it's only the second house that my parents have been in together. They had a little house downtown London 
when my brother was first born and then they moved into the house we're in now, uh, I think about a year before I was born. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, same. My bed, so my bedroom historically uh, has been virtually unchanged. I actually just repainted it and everything again not long before I moved up here from the way that it always was when I was younger. Dude, that's like some Hallmark shit. It's like on the Hallmark shows when they go home after like 30 years and like the bedroom is still pristine. There's no dust. Everything's exactly how they left it. Yes. No, all my my stuff's up here, but that's the struggle right now. I'm trying to figure out what all I need to take with me because I'm going home. I mean, I'm obviously going home for Christmas and then I'm going to shoot Iowa straight from there and then back to here. So I got to do some packing and figure out what tools and stuff I want to take with me. Yeah. So going back home, where are you going to shoot and uh, how are you going to get some practice and where are you there for the Iowa prom? Oh, well, I, that's still kind of, I got to figure that out once I get there because the target that I had at my dad's school that I shot at, I didn't want to just leave it there them to deal with so I actually sold it before I moved so I don't have a target there anymore which I could take a bag target and set it up inside and shoot if I wanted but uh, one of my buddies he lives about an hour ish away from me has a garage that he has an indoor range set up in so I think I may go over there and shoot with him some and then I'll probably end up going to in range in Richmond, which is about 45 minutes from me and shooting some. Okay. Is that like the nearest local range shop to you? Yeah. That's the closest indoor range to me for a long time. That's interesting. So when you were shooting and you were doing like going up through, uh, I wouldn't say you weren't in Joe ad and stuff, were you? No. You're just going up shooting like S3DA type stuff or uh, I 3D only, or whatever. I only ever shot one s3da tournament so as much shooting as you've done and you know you had some pretty good success early too when you were younger you weren't really going to clubs or anything you were just shooting at like at the school when you could and then um because they were allowing you to use a spot in there during certain times and then um just shooting at your house at like a bag target and stuff yeah so we used to have a an indoor range for a few years uh about 20 minutes from me so I shot there a lot, but no, as far as indoor ranges and stuff, it's been few and far between. So what were you doing for practice leading up to the, like the classic in 2017 when you won it? Uh, so there was a guy uh, about, again, about 20, 25-ish minutes from me that uh, his mom owned a building that was big enough to shoot in, so they went in there and tore some walls out and put some lights up. And we, we practiced in there for a while uh, until she decided that she was going to sell the building. So that's what I, what I mean when I say few and far between, we've just had a couple, a couple ranges come and go over the years. Gotcha. To be able to practice in. Uh, but for the last, last several years, I've just practiced in the school. So from like 2000, I think 18 until this year, that's where I did all my practicing. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to bring that up because you've done really well 
like especially during that time when you were at home and not not many ranges or anything nearby you leagues and stuff but you kept yourself shooting in some way shape or form which you know some people i hear they say <clears throat> you know i don't have a range to go to i don't have this to go to like if you're learning or getting into it you can practice and shoot anywhere yeah, if you sure. want it i mean there's guys that shoot half, half out of their garage across the yard into like their shed for 20 yards yeah. So, I mean, you can shoot where you want to, and you don't even necessarily need to have a full 20 yards to, to work on form or technique or equipment and stuff. Yes, but it, it always kind of worked out that I had somewhere to go shoot 20 yards yeah. indoors from pretty much the time I started until I moved up here. So, Yeah, I hear a lot of people like, and I talk to a lot of them, I can't shoot 20 yards all the time, I'm not going to go shoot. Well, you don't always need 20 yards to practice, though. It's good to go do it. Don't get me wrong. But there's always opportunity someplace. Like, you can throw a bag target in the yard or something and shoot. Yeah, so I think when I'm going to put one of my old bag targets in the garage while I'm home and just shoot in there some because I'm not I'm not going to want to go. I'm not going to want to drive, you know, 45 minutes to an hour one way every single day to go shoot. Because, you know, I'm going home to spend time with family and whatnot. So, yeah, I'll probably shoot. I think I can shoot like 11 yards in the garage or something. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's all you need as long as you just, I mean, if you're just working on stuff. Yeah. So I'll probably shoot in there some too, just to shoot muscle memory. Yeah. Some people, I mean, and there's a lot of things people can do. Like I posted on my Instagram the other day and thing on Facebook that uh, I was just doing like, holding drills in the garage at like six yards yeah just working on stuff and not necessarily even sometimes when i'm shooting at a target at 18 or 20 yards i'm not necessarily focusing on my score i'm working on something that has to do with my shot right now right so there's always an opportunity for for practice or improvement or working on something or doing drills and some of those drills like some people don't you're not um I don't know what drills you've done in the past or you don't really work too much on drills. You're at a point where it's like more like you, you identify what you're doing and you fix it. But, um, but I mean, everybody goes to a period where they're trying to work on something or rebuild something or retrain. And it takes that repetition to get it right. So if you're working on something on your shot or the way you're anchoring or, you know, your follow through or something, you got to get the repetition in to make it that muscle memory. Yep. You don't have to have, you know, a 20 yard range to go to, to do that. You can, improve without shooting 20 yards all the time yeah some people i just want people to know that there's a lot of people i hear it like today i heard it i went to the range today i was shooting the guy's like this is the only time i can shoot because at home i only have 10 yards so that's good use it yeah i've never i never really did a whole lot of blank bell stuff i think the most blank bell i ever did was the brief period that I worked with George Riles some. Oh yeah. Uh, but I just never, for my, for myself, I just never found a whole lot of gain from it. I, I know people that have, that it has helped. Uh, but for myself, I just never really felt like it benefited me. Oh, I maybe, get that. Maybe that's what I need right now because I've been struggling the last few days shooting oh well yeah you said you've been holding you have you've been struggling a little bit with holding huh yeah i don't know it's like i can't i just can't get my pin to do what i'm wanting it to the last few days i went from shooting really good there for a stretch you know practicing indoor to the last few days have just been 
not been very good, but I think it's also just fatigued, tired, not not mentally all the way there. So I think getting home and getting a couple day break and some sleep and then get back into shooting will fix all that. Yeah, it's important to get some rest days in. So let's let the mind and body recoup. Yeah, I guess today counts as a rest day since I fell asleep when I got home. <laughs> chicken pot pie, you passed out. Man, I'm telling you, I made that chicken pot pie, sat down, was warm, was full, fell asleep. Nice. Well, hopefully a couple days and some holidays and family time will recuperate you, regenerate, re- rejuvenate you. Hopefully. Get you feeling it again. If not, I'm going to look like a total ass clown at the Iowa Pro-Am. But... <laughs> You'll shake the dust off there for the classic. Yeah. So you're going straight from there. So you're going to try and shoot a little bit there, stay warm. And then you're going right to Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that I booked my Iowa shoot is I'm going to get there Friday morning. Uh, So I'll have all day Friday uh, to warm up and practice and whatnot. And then I booked the latest line time that I could on Saturday. So I'll have all morning Saturday. Pretty much all day Saturday because I don't think I shoot until like four or something like that. Um, hmm. So I'll have I'll have some time there once I actually get there. But now, does the Iowa Pro Am? I haven't been there. So does the Iowa Pro Am? Do they have a practice range and stuff that, or lanes that you can sign up for or pay for? Uh, yeah. So they they did have a practice area the last time I went. Uh, so the last time I went, it was kind of, they had a little, they had, I don't remember how many lanes it was, but they had, you know, an X amount of lanes blocked off for just practice. And then when there wasn't a shooting line going on, so like open practice, basically the whole, every bell was open. So you could practice anywhere you wanted. And then whenever the whenever the line times came up, then you just had the practice area. Hmm. So that I thought that was kind of cool though, because I, because they give you your bail assignment. So I just went and practiced on the bail I was going to shoot on that weekend. Oh, that is pretty cool. So some shoots though, don't really give you, they might give you two ends to warm up when you get there, but some, a lot of shoots stuff you don't have, well, at least a lot of the USA stuff and local stuff that that's around here. But sometimes, you know, you show up, you might get your, your practice might just be the first two ends before yeah. score. Yeah. That's where a stretch band or a shot trainer or something would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you come in cold pretty much those first couple shots. If you don't have figured out the lighting and everything in those first six arrows, you're figuring it out going into your first couple ends of score. Yeah. A few, a few years ago, I could two, two practice ends was enough to get loose and warm up, but, in my old age of 22 now, it takes me 20, 30 arrows to warm up usually. Dude, I'm at a stage in my life where I have downstairs aspirin, upstairs aspirin, and aspirin in the kitchen. Yeah, I've not made it there yet. I just have I just have the the one bottle in my medicine mm-hmm. cabinet. But I also have my truck aspirin. Actually, I take that back. I think I actually have some in my shooting chair. That's but a good that's idea. <laughs> there's only gonna watch you pop that and test you yeah that's that yeah i, I have my because i'm really bad about remembering to take medicine 
So I have an alarm on my phone that's set to go off at noon every day to take my medicine. And so <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. I'm going to be popping pills on the line or something, and people are going to be wondering what in the hell it is. Yeah, he was shooting pretty good. And once he popped that pill, I don't know, he shot three X's. Well, him tested. Yeah. Cocaine. Okay. That's the last thing you'll find. It's cocaine. <laughs> They'll never catch me for popping aspirin. <laughs> that suckers. I was, just, I was just free basing cocaine on the line. A little bump never hurt anyone. <laughs> huh? <laughs> the, um, yeah, that's not a good thing. Don't do that. The uh, so the Iowa Pro Am. Then you got to turn around, and head back to Lancaster. Yeah, and I'll be heading up. I'll be heading up to Lancaster. So around the twenty, the evening of the twenty first, and then I'll get there sometime the twenty second. So we'll have a few days there to go dick off at Fox Harbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the situation I'm in right now is one getting some practice in. So the local range that I have that's next to me now, I'm able to go to a couple nights, uh, Backwoods Bowstrings here in Woodstock, if anybody's in that area and wants to shoot. Um, that's where I'm shooting at right now. But um, he's been okay with me. Um, I'm going to go in a little early once in a while and shoot, and I get some extra practice and stuff in. Shannon there has been pretty cool with that. So that'll help me out a little bit. So Because right now I've only got like two days when I get off at a time when I can run over there and get some shooting in. Right. Um, other than that, working in the garage and stuff on stuff because that's what I have. Do they actually make bowstrings, or is that just the name of the shop? Yeah, that's how he started. He started a shop that was actually he was uh, building bowstrings for years. Okay. And um, he then he had he had his other job and he retired and he wanted to open a little bit bigger shop with a range and he found this place down the road <laughs> just happens to be like five minutes from my house uh, where he found it and moved to so that works out. So yeah, he does custom string building and stuff like that. That's cool. And then uh, he has a little shop and uh, a range with six bales in it. And we got leagues that are going to be starting there. Uh, we, um, January 13th is the first night, Thursday night leagues. Nice. Yeah, 24 people. And in a matter of like a week or so, the whole league signed up, was okay. filled up for 24 shooters. So it's going to be a good league. I think we're going to end up having to carry it over and eventually have league uh, night Thursday night and another day Saturday for two lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think we can get up to 40, 40 people going in that league. That would be pretty wild. Yeah, that would be cool. And then um, we had enough – actually, there's enough interest in trad shooters and recurve shooters that he, uh, he might have to open up another line just for traditional shooters and Olympic recurve shooters oh, to yeah, have right. another night just for a – yeah, a recurve night. Yeah, I want to – I bought that trad bow to hunt with, but I kind of want to get an actual, like, ILF target bear bow set up. To mess with just to understand I have one. I just, I just need uh, to use it. I just ain't got time right now. My focus isn't on anything else, which brings me to my dilemma right now because there's a good and a bad. Bow sales are so good that, you know, in materials and stuff that companies are backed up, mm-hmm. which means my bows for my bow for 3D and stuff is probably in that. So I don't know if I'll have it in time to get ready for like the first ASA or two. Yeah. So what I might have to do is take my, um, because a buddy of mine that's borrowing my teal bow, uh, Tyler Hale, he has that one right now waiting for his bows from Elite. And if he's backed up in that too, then he won't have it. So I'm not going to rip that from him. I'm going to leave him, you know, I'm not going to take a bow so he doesn't have a bow to shoot. So I think what I'm going to do is take my black result now and change gears. And since I had that spot hog swap, the edge swap on there, 
which is super convenient. I think I'm going to put my strings and everything and my 28 strand cables and all that stuff and rebuild for the 30 X's and set it up for 3d and then see how that shoots for indoor too, but use that swap rest to uh, set up the 27s on that one, the triple X's. Yeah. And just use that bow for right now for both. Yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the same boat. Uh, Jeremy emailed me back about my bow and it was scheduled to be built at the beginning of February. Wow. Uh, just like you said, bow sales, material backup, and plus that bow is a totally custom color. Not totally custom, like they don't offer it anything else, but that's not offered in that bow. So it, that's not a series of colors that they ever run a production on for that model. Right, right. But he said that he was going to try and get it moved up uh, to be built before then. If not, are you going to uh, just try and take a bow that's that's available no matter what the color and stuff? Uh, no, no, because I you don't... want that OD green bow. Yeah, I want that OD green and camo bow. Uh, so I think I'm just gonna. I don't know. I may end up ordering another one and keeping that one on order uh, and just getting a stock color. Right, but I think what I'm going to do is essentially the same thing you're doing because I'm shooting the AAE QD, so I can just swap a different rest onto it and tune uh, my 3D arrows. Right, just holler at Gaius, boom. Yeah, and just do it that way. So hopefully, we'll see. Because I'm I'm the opposite of you. You're more worried about 3D than you are indoor. I'm more worried about indoor than I am 3D. Yeah. So. I'm going to keep my bow the way it is for indoor and just shoot my 3D arrows off of it where you're going to set your bow up for 3D and just shoot your indoor arrows off of it. Yeah. And if the 3D arrows shoot better than the indoor arrows, I mean, that triple X is and I'm shooting better scores. I might even just stick with it through the whole indoor season. Yeah. I mean, there's a, <clears throat> I mean, there's odds are that's probably what you'll end up doing. I would say, because those 30 X's are going to shoot really good. In my opinion, I mean that's the luck that I've had with them. So, yeah, I'm excited about. It, so we'll see what happens. But I'm going to probably this next week, like I said, just redo that bow, tear that bow down, back down, check everything, throw the new strings and stuff on there, reset the D loop and everything, the peep, put it through paper and run with it. I'll, yeah, I'll fletch up those arrows, build them. Probably build one for now, just make sure everything's good, then build the rest of them and get on it yeah i don't think it's gonna i don't think it's gonna impact us too much because uh, our indoor and our 3d bows would end up being so similar anyway yeah the only real difference i have right now is i want to change the strings because i got those strings specifically to help with the holding weight and stuff yeah and um and serve specifically for those knocks so if i'm gonna end up running those for the next season i might as well do the swap now instead of tuning it all now and then doing all that and then in a month and a half changing it again. Yeah. yeah. So I might as well just do it now and get it over with and not have to worry about tinkering with it all again later. Just take good notes. Exactly. Which is important if people, if you're not, it's, I got to send you pictures, but take notes, 
take notes of your equipment, take notes of measurements, keep a little notebook. It helps you, especially when we come back to things. I've done that before where I've gotten so far away that I've gone back to notes and been like, why am I not doing it like this anymore? Yeah. Going back to my notes and then everything kind of fell back into place for me. It's important to have notes, especially if you're running certain setups or bows and stuff like any, if anytime, you, what's that? Any, anytime I get a setup that I shoot consistently good, I write everything down mm-hmm. and keep that just so I have something to go back to. Well, I think it's important because as good as you can be, and we're going to forget things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's there's too many measurements and stuff to remember to remember all of it. Now, I mean, with that being said, I have some of my past setups memorized because it's just what worked for so long. But yeah, and other things, it's you have to. Yeah, I just write them down to make sure I have them. But yeah, I'm like that. So if I ever, if I was like, not that I am, but if I picked up like a Supermax or a shoot down again, I'd pretty much instinctively just be able to put it back to where it was. Yeah. No, that's the way I, I am with the victories. Like, I have the note, I have the paper that has all the measurements and everything written down from my victory setup in my wallet still. <laughs> but. I have it memorized by heart. So if I needed to set up a victory in a pinch for whatever reason, then I could just do it and not even need it. But that's just because I ran that pretty much same exact setup for so long. Yeah. You find something that works. The nice thing about that is you have something to go back to zero kind of on and a notebook kind of gives you that zero. So if you get really lost in your way, and you're not shooting right, the bow's not forgiving, or you can't figure out why it doesn't feel like it. you can always revert, revert back to your notes. I've been struggling the last few days, so I've been doing that. I've been doing that, going back and looking at, looking at old setups, looking at old notes, trying to figure out if there's anything that I'm doing now that I'm doing different than back then or on a different setup that maybe I could try swapping around and changing to see if it would help. Yeah, absolutely. So also that goes to is if, is it, if you've changed bows or brands or whatever, you know, or gone from one, you know, same company, but a new model, there's similarities in your setups. that are going to match you for each bow to bow. Yeah. So if you've gone away from that, you can go back to your notes. Like I've gone back and I can look at notes from other bows that I've shot and realize that I have always shot better with the D loop at seven eighths of an inch long anytime i've shot them shorter than that i've always struggled so why do i keep going back to a shorter one and trying it right so little things like that and it doesn't matter what bow it's on all my notes have always come out that that's been like the best place for me to anchor with my draw length and everything so that helps it helps you go back and like remember kind of like where you came from um i write down settings arrow builds things like that that worked really well together if i was scoring well or grouping better Mm-hmm. And then if you ever need to, hey, you've got that. Yeah, I'm Keep the same up. way. So like an inch, an inch long loop is around where I live. Uh, I got a little bit longer on there right now. Just again, monkeying with old stuff that used to work good. Yeah, I'm right about if you measure from the um, back of the string, the serving to the 
inside of the D loop, I'm about yeah. seven eighths. Yeah, mine's about an inch, right at an inch usually. Yeah, I think right now it's like almost a inch and a quarter, inch and almost in yeah somewhere right in there. Another yeah, another inch. You're right there with Tim. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to say Kendall just... was it Kendall Woody? I think Kendall Woody shoots along a D loop like that too. It like wraps halfway around his face. Yeah. So the guy that kind of introduced me into more of the target archery stuff, he always shot a super long loop. So for a long time, that's just what I did. I shot a super long D loop. So it's just one of yeah. those things. It's kind of like it's what I used to always do. So. I've gotten it down to to a point where I can take a piece of D-loop material, cut it at five inches, fray the ends, melt them down, and that once I get it on my string and stretch it, it's exactly the length I need. Yeah, so I have I have measurements written down as well for different thickness D-loops and different diameter center servings for how long I want the finished loop to be. So if you cut it at if you cut it at you know X x length it's going to be this long once it's on the bow gotcha i mean i've even got stabilizer like lengths and weights and stuff i'm looking at one of my notebooks now and for in the formula that i use which i think i got this from talking with george and i've always used it as like a starting point but you take the length of the front front rod and multiply multiply by the amount of weight you have up front mm -hmm. And then divide that total by the length of the back rod. And that kind of tells you the weight to start with on your back bar. Hmm. It's been a pretty good method, at least for starting points and stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I got tons of stuff. I'll just send you some pictures of these notes. This is hilarious to read back through. I even got little sketches of the arrow rests and stuff in there. It's wild. Do you think I was like an archaeologist or something? Oh, yeah. I used to draw. I used to draw that stuff. I used to have a... What I, well, at the time, I haven't looked at it in a long time. At the time, what I thought would have been a good arrow rest design. It's untelling. It's been <laughs> a while since I've looked at it to see what it'd be now. But Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good thing to go back and see what worked, and I encourage everybody to try and keep a notebook. It's important. Yeah, so one of the things I did here in the last week... Uh, was I actually made a little grip modification to my bow that that seemed to help uh, be a little more consistent. So what did you do? Did you change tape or add putty or something? Uh, so, Because the Altus doesn't have an, a changeable grip, right? No, it doesn't have interchangeable grips. And when I was at full draw, I kept, I would notice that my, I would feel like my hand pressure was a little different uh, shot to shot. Uh, and I had to be super particular on how I placed my hand in there to make sure it was exactly the same every time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because that the left side of the grip, so if you're holding the bow like you would be shooting it, the left side of the grip, it's just a little, for the way I grip a bow and my hand, it was just a little too round. And I felt like, I felt like at full draw, I was putting more pressure on the left side of the riser instead of it being equal mm -hmm. across the whole width of the riser. I felt like my hand was kind of wanting to roll that riser 
So it would be wanting to point the stabilizer to the right because my hands want to push on that left side of it. Mm. So I took, so I've done this to bows in the past. Uh, I take the cloth athletic tape and wrap the grip in it, just like you're going to use it for grip tape. But then I'll take JB Weld putty uh, and put on top of that because that gives it, it's kind of like putting the fiber mesh like on drywall to put putty on. Mm -hmm. So it just gives it something to grab to. And then that way it's not directly on the riser and you can get it off too. Uh, so I'll put that on there wherever I think I kind of want to try making a change and then you can shape it with a file and sandpaper to get the exact shape that you want. So I made it, I made it super, super squared off like a very hard edge. So then I would have more equal grip pressure across the width of the grip instead of right on that left side. But that's just shooting it, shooting it for the amount of time that I have. That's one, just one of the things that I kind of noticed. Maybe I would want to, that's one change that I would make. So I just finally did it just to see what it would do. And I do feel like it's a little bit more consistent now because I don't feel like my grip pressure is changing. So you're able to do that too without um, altering the bow itself. Yeah, no, it doesn't change the bow at all. That's why I put that tape down because actually if you put that tape down and then you can slice the tape right on the edge of the grip and you can pop that grip on and off. So you could take it off, shoot it, put it back on, shoot it. It, it makes it just like an interchangeable grip, but you just make it yourself. Nice. But it hmm. makes a mess. Sand and all that JB Weld makes an absolute mess. The bow was completely gray with dust after I was done. I had to blow it off with an air compressor. Hmm. So don't do this in your mom's kitchen. Oh, I did it in mine. But don't yeah. do it in your mom's. <laughs> don't do it in your mom's. Do it in your own. Yeah. The uh, But um, circling back around those, setting up the bows, the um, the important thing about taking those notes is that's what I've started jotting down today. Now I've finally gotten it. The last couple of days I've been shooting a little bit better. I still got some things to iron out, but uh, take some good notes, make sure that I get everything back in spec kind of the way it is because the bow's starting to feel good the way it is right now, but I want to make sure it's prepped to go through the whole next season because the strings I have it on now have been on there for a while now, and they've been reserved a couple times. So might as well get it prepped now, but notes are going to help a lot with getting that, getting it back to where it is right now for me quicker. Yeah. Yeah, those strings have seen better days. And then where you had that where you had that roller guard on there for a while, it kinda ate that cable serving up. Yeah, so we reserved that and then um I got that reserved. And it's doing much better now, but it's just time to put on some new strings, I think. And yeah. Of course I got some gas strings to go on there. The team over there got me some. Gonna rock those out. I did go different this time though. No bright yellow on this one. Yeah, what color did you get? Gunmetal. Oh, yeah, that'll look good on that black. Yeah, gunmetal black servant. Here was the idea. The idea was it's supposed to go on a blue bow. Right. And I was going to use the gunmetal, and then I was going to use black serving for, like, the peep and stuff. But yeah, that'll look good I think it'll still look good because it'll be a black bow with gunmetal strings, and I'm still going to rock blue serving, I think, because my 3D arrows and stuff are going to have blue veins on them. Yeah. And knocks. 
which I'm sticking with the uh, the 19 Tuesday asymmetricals for 3D2. Oh, yeah. I just put a bunch of those on the trailer today. Heck, yeah. Might need them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I left, I think, four four pegs on the pegboard for them. Nice. Because they're usually popular. And there's, like, a bajillion colors. So... Well, like I said, the nice thing about them is they're made from the biter knocks are made from one mold, each one. Yep. They're so consistent. They're not a two piece. And they're nice, like especially in the situation that me and you are in right now, of where we're gonna end up using the same bow for different formats. Mm-hmm. So what as long as you have the same throat size, so either a number one or a number two. The 19-2, the 12-2, the Hunter-2, the Hunter-2 pin knock, mm-hmm. or the number two asymmetrical pin knock are all going to fit the same knock set. So yep. serving diameter and the distance that you have your knock set tied. So you can, you can put the swap rest or an AAE QD on there and run... You know, you could run a triple X with a 19.2. You could shoot an X cutter or a 22 with a 12.2, so the GTO size. And you could shoot a Pierce with the pin knock on there. And they're all going to fit the serving the same. They're all going to fit the knock set the same. So it's nice that you can just shoot virtually the same knock on every single arrow. And they're all made from the same mold. So, well... So the pin knock is made from the same mold. The 19 is made from the same mold. Yeah. You know, so they're all super consistent. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Just a buttload of colors, so you can pretty much match it to whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they have a plethora of options there. But the other nice thing, too, is if you've ever held up and looked at, like, some of the, like, pin knocks and stuff, and I'm not picking on any particular brands but if you like shine a light through some of them yeah you can see the differences and the imperfections in some of them when they're two-piece molds and stuff like that yeah so i'm i'm not a big fan of pin knocks anyway just because of there's not a lot of material there so i feel like you get a little bit of knock flex on the bushing mm-hmm. versus where like a 19 to they're that's such a big post that goes into the bushing and it's all pretty thick. So uh, you don't really get any knock flex there. It gives you a more consistent platform to launch off of. Yeah. But so far, in my opinion, the biters, the pins have been fine. I've never had an issue out of them. Now AAE came out with a knock Mm -hmm. that has, it's a pretty thick stem, but it's curved, right? It's contoured. Yeah, so the throw so on an ace so a biter asymmetrical knock is historically a recurve knock mm-hmm. because one side of the throat is tapered in towards the base of the knot, like the knot the shaft that goes into the bushing. Right. And that's for shooting split fingers or three fingers under where you have a much different angle coming in on the top of that string. So you're at the top of the string is going to be at a harsher angle because you're pulling more string distance under the arrow. 
Right. Uh, so it applies even pressure from the string to the knock to push it out of the bow smoothly. Mm-hmm. But you can also use the same principle on a compound and shoot them the same way. Like I've never, so I'll shoot them upside down from what recurve shooters shoot them because that's the way the string flexes on a compound versus on a recurve. Mm. Yeah. If you flip them upside down, your arrow's going to lift. But Chris Perkins shoots them the same way a recurve shooter shoots them. I wonder if he does that because it gives him more lift out of his out of his arrows. I think so. I think that's kind of what he was getting at because so it's going to give it a little bit more lift, so the arrow isn't gonna try and ride a blade rest. Right. So it's not going to ride it, and then you also get a little bit more out of your sight picture and stuff, and not having to shoot heavier weight. Yeah. So it's going to clear a blade better, but that's besides the point of what I was talking about. Yeah. So the asymmetrical <laughs> was traditionally a recurve knock that has that slanted uh, throat. And so AAE kind of did the same thing, but both sides of the throat are slanted. So you have a basically a flat part in the middle, and it just kind of domes around. So you don't mm-hmm. get any knock pinch at full draw on your knock sets. Uh, so that's pretty nice. Uh, it is. It was, a it's a pretty interesting knock. I mean, I saw I saw some guys starting to use it at the end of the season last season for 3D. Yeah, I played around with them for indoor there at the beginning, uh, but the biter just for me tuned better, so I just stuck with it. And you got to kind of. It's not a knock you can swap either and choose. It's a. For those of you who haven't seen one, it is the biter knocks, like especially the 192s. Or a longer stem than yeah. the AEE. So if you have yourself fletched up to where you know you're not getting a fletching contact or anything like that with the biter, it allows you to bring that vein more toward the end of your your shaft, the shaft of the arrow. Right. If yeah, you if you if you're if you're already fletched like biters and you threw that AE on there, you'd probably be chewing on a vein while you're at full draw. Yeah. So the 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 AAE is about the same length as like a uh, either an Easton Microlite 3D or a gold tip uh, Acculite. Yeah. So it's real short. And the biter is similar is going to be similar to your Easton uh, Super 3D knock or uh, what's another knock you'd be similar to in length? Uh, like a Carbon Express launch pad. Yeah. Or the gold tip GTs. So it's going to be a longer knock. So yeah, you can get your things yeah, further to the back of the arrow. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely very similar, I would say, to the GT, the gold tip GT knock. Yeah, the other, they're, yeah, they're probably the most similar to the Easton Super 3D. Mm. Uh, but the Super 3D, you have longer ears on them, so you have there's more material moving past the string after the arrow actually clicks out of the throat versus on the biter. They're a little, the ears are a little shorter, so you don't have as much knock material having to come past your string after it clicks off. Biters too, with the, uh, the ears on them, you get a good longevity out of them too. Yeah. They don't, they don't spread super fast. Mm-mm. I mean, it is good to change your knocks, 
periodically. I mean, fairly often, actually, because they, I mean, they do spread a little bit over time, especially if you shoot a lot. So it is good to change your knocks out. I would honestly say probably every hundred shots or so per arrow. Yeah. That's something I don't do enough is change them out. But you can, I really don't. You can, you can actually see a difference. So if you, if one day you're shooting and you feel like you're shooting super good shots, but stuff's just spraying and you're looking at everything and nothing's moved and nothing's changed, change your knocks out. Sometimes your groups will tighten right back up if you throw a new set of knocks on there because your ears have either spread out a little bit or they've gotten smushed a little bit or whatever. I mean, knocks are cheap enough that you can change them out periodically. They're cheap enough to cost you too much if you don't replace them. Right, yeah. I mean, it's it and the what's holding your arrow, whatever rest you're using, is the only point of contact that that arrow has with the bow. So you can have the most expensive setup, the best everything, and if you got a shit knock or if you're not taking care of them or not changing them, then everything else you're doing is not going to matter. Yeah, the it's, back of the arrow... From from the from the back of the arrow, when you need that needs to be squared off, the bushing needs to be flush, and your knock needs to be good because that is the most important, in my opinion, the most important point of contact to the bow and the string, and, and the way that arrow is going to leave your bow. Yeah, I mean, it's if if your knock doesn't fit properly, it's not going to tune, no matter how perfect the arrow was set up for that bow. No, I've had people want to change up points because they've got a dented point or they hit something in the bail and the point's fine. I, I'm more worried about the back of the arrow. Yeah. So that's I mean, where think, the performance is really going to come from. I go back and forth in that on arrow building, uh, whether I think that the front of the arrow or the back of the arrow should be the straightest. So, you know, we've all built arrows in the past and spun them and there'd be a little bit of wobble on them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those people who can't, you know, buy three dozen arrows to build a dozen perfect ones, then you just got to shoot that stuff. And a lot of times it doesn't matter. You're not <laughs> honestly going to see a difference. Uh, but I've, I've often, I go back and forth in my head whether I think you should put the straightest part at the rear or at the front. Because, yeah, the rear is the one that has the veins that's actually causing the spin. But if you have that wobble out front where all the weight is, that weight's going to act like a pendulum, basically, and want to over-exaggerate that wobble, I feel like. I don't know. I you still know think I mean? the weight gonna, leaves the bow. It's going to try and take that weight and make that wobble worse. I mean, I don't know. That's just yeah what I thought about over the years. I can't, I, yeah, I, I see what you're getting at. I think it would have to be a pretty drastic amount of wobble up front for the front of it to cause a lot of effect yeah no i agree that's just like nitpicking like yeah shit yeah that you would i don't know in my mind right now i'm still it. stuck on the back of the arrow is what i take the most and i i'm just really conscious when i build on about the back of the arrow yeah i mean i do the same thing i cut i cut all mine i cut most of the material from the back of the arrow to try to get into the center part of the shaft where they're mm -hmm. the straightest I think the least amount I cut off the back of an arrow is an inch. Yeah, I usually I usually cut just an inch or a half inch off the front and then cut the rest off the back. 
Right. Now you do this too. You'll spin them, spin the shafts and see where you get in the wobble and kind of see where you need to at least cut from on each side. Yeah. I was pretty impressed uh, doing the spin test when I picked up the triple X's and the nine threes after spinning them, there was essentially there were, and I did get the nine, three pros and the, and the triple X pros. I don't know what it's like on the, the other ones, but essentially it didn't matter what I did as far as where I cut it at, because they were straight on both ends on every single arrow. Yeah. Yeah. The, the dozen triple X's I just built were the same way. There was, was spinning them was a waste of time because I just ended up cutting them all the same. Yeah. But I've had, I've had dozens in the past that you end up cutting more off one end than the other. And then, none Oh of yeah. If you, line up and, yeah. You would look at the wrap on the arrow and on like one arrow, the wrap would be closer to the veins on the, another arrow would be further down. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had triple X's in the past that the veins are on top of the label because I've cut that much off the back of them. Yeah. I think the tech, their, their techniques, I guess their technology and how they're doing it has just improved a lot. Yeah. That was pretty impressive because that's three dozen arrows right there. I'm interested this next week when I spend these um, 30s to see how they do. Yeah, so I, I have two dozen to build. I bought, just for shits and giggles, I bought another dozen 30Xs and I bought a dozen X cutters just because everyone and their brother raves over how good X cutters are. Hmm. So I was like... What's oh, the X cutter diameter? What, what is that? Uh, it's the next size down from 30X, so like a 24-ish. I was going to say, yeah, because 9.3, they got that, so it has to be. Yeah. Hmm. And they have 22s, too. Yeah. So I just got them to just see. I mean, I'm going to probably shoot 30Xs just because I trust them, but we'll see. Hmm. That's interesting. Take notes on your arrows, too, people. While you're jotting down notes on your bow and stuff, that includes jotting down notes about your arrow builds. Yep. It is very all of it's important. It is. Yeah, I'm gonna cut these. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna check them. I'm gonna spine check them and um get some built and start working on that bow next week, swapping out the strings. I'll start with that. Getting the D loop on the right and then getting Pete the set. I really don't think because of the notes and, and the way the bow is right now, I don't think I'm gonna have to do much to get that thing shooting. No, probably not. No. I mean, I think the biggest difference is going to be having to swap out. If I swap out the rest to go to the tw the triplexes. Yeah. And then, of course, the site's going to drop quite a bit because I'll be going from 125 grain points to 250 grains. Yeah. Which that's where. So you have another site coming, don't you? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting on another uh, CBE Elevate to come in. So, I mean, I could technically as the same yeah. bracket, I could just swap them out depending on what rest I'm using. Yeah, I mean, it, because you're going to be using the swap. So just have a body and a site for the 30Xs and a body and a site for the triple X's. Yep, there we go. We'll that see how that rock and rolls. That way you don't have to be changing stuff as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to run the 19 twos and run in the bushings. And I am excited to play with those competition archery points. Yeah. They're good points I've been, I've been primarily using top hats for the last few years. Those, 
those competition points is what I always shoot my 3D stuff. Uh, indoor, I usually just use the gold tip points because they're cheaper, and you have the screw-in weights, so you can play around with point weight for tuning. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. The thing with competition archery points, so they don't have any screwing options, do they? They're all kind of no, set yeah, weights. Yeah, they're all all fixed. They're a nice point, though. They look good. Actually, yeah, I bought those. I'm, I got those. I'm putting in the nine threes. And I got those. I'm putting in the thirty uh, X's. Yeah, they're they're a good shape. You don't get a lot of deflection from them. Yeah, they look good. They look like they would go in pretty straight. So, what's your thought then on this? We'll we'll go into this before we end it. So, I think I want to say Dan did a thing. Hashtag DMDs. I think Dan did a thing when he was saying. I think the bullet point. In, I have to look it up. Don't quote me. I think he, he thinks the bullet point as opposed to like the knockbuster point is more efficient at 3d and causes less glances and less like, um, like random hits and jerks to the left or jerks to the right. Hmm. I don't know. I've never, I've never personally shot just a traditional bullet point for 3d. Like you're talking about the short stubby, yeah, the little yeah, yeah, little bullet points, not the knockbusters, not the long pointy huh. medieval looking ones. I don't know. I've I've always experimented with the long tapered points or like the kind of domed ones, like those not like the ones for those thirty X's are, and always had really good luck at them. I just always, it's. I mean, again, I've not tried it, so it's just an assumption, but. I always felt like those bullet points where they're shorter uh, would ramp off of a bushing faster because it's like more of a flat surface hitting. So I feel like mm. it would just, I feel like it would be more prone to a sporadic deflection versus where a long, you know, tapered point is just kind of kind of hit and slide past. Yeah. I think his, I think his other point to it was, I'm going to have to find this now was that it, when it would go into foam, Whereas where some that target was starting to get chewed up, it was less prone to angle funny and stay straighter. Hmm. Yeah, I've not, I don't, I've not seen the post that you're talking about, so I don't know. Yeah, that was a little while ago. I have to look that up. I'm pretty sure it was Dan McCarthy. Somebody can probably correct me, but I think it was Dan McCarthy that talked about that. Yeah, that sounds like or had something about something about that. I mean, I get it. It kind of makes sense. I just don't know that I'm going to test that. Yeah, no, I don't, I mean, you don't see a lot of people shooting bullet points anymore. I just don't think they're as efficient on glance outs. Yeah, but we're talking about a guy that probably measures light just to see how off he judges, depending on what what the light is like. Oh, yeah, I understand. That's what I'm saying. I feel like that is a topic (laughs) that he would cover. That would be something we'd have to talk with him about. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't shot bullet points since I was like 11. I think I shot some I couldn't find any top hats for my 23s last season My when I was running the PS23s and I think I ran their, their bullet points out of it I think that was it yeah, no, I, if I can't if I can't find the, the point that I want I usually just wait instead of using a bullet point hmm. I just don't I think they look gay you think it makes a difference? <laughs> you think they just look stupid? You think it makes a difference for indoor or not? Yeah, I do. I feel like 
I don't know. I feel like a, a sharp, pointy, real pointy point uh, is going to enter enter and penetrate better. Like, especially if you're getting a target that's kind of loose and shot up. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just, I feel like it's going to hold its placement in the bell better versus. It'll that, pierce better. That flatter point kind of trying to have to shove its way in. Because that, if that's trying to shove its way in, then you have the possibility of it taking the path of least resistance and kind of yeah. maybe moving itself, especially if you're shooting real hard targets. Uh, or because so, like sometimes those morels get channels worn in them, like little tunnels in there, and they kind of want to guide your arrows almost because that packing material in there gets really dense in areas. So if you have a, a point that's real long and sharp, I feel like it's going to, make its own path easier. I don't know. That's always the principle that I went off of. I mean, it's sound. It makes sense. It sounds legit. Whether it makes a bit of difference, I have no idea. Whether it's scientifically backed. Because it's another one of those instances I've never shot bullet points to try it, but in my head, a long, sharp point makes more sense. Yep. Well, it's just like we were just talking about the front of the arrow or the back of the arrow. Right. Yeah, that's just always made sense to me in my head. I don't think I can get that out of there. I mean, you go to the doctor and they're not trying to give you a shot with a basketball or using a needle. Yeah, so. they do. You're in the wrong doctor's office and I'm going to see a, um, some sort of medical record, some sort yeah, of certificate. It depends. Yeah, just the worst is when you get in there and you're like sitting there at the table and you're derobed and they come in and ask you what you're doing. Well, that, getting ready for your appointment, and they're like, "Well, you're at the dentist. We don't do that here." That when you already have the the gloves laying out for them. Yeah, yeah, and you're at the optometrist. It's weird. It gets weird. <laughs> oh, I thought this was my uh, prostate exam. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know how you do this. I don't know which way you go in. <laughs> Just do what you do, doc. Anyway, <laughs> Just feed me and tell me I'm pretty. Oh, yeah, God. but. So you got to get ready, pack up. We got guests coming. So I think we'll end this one on this one, and we'll pick up probably here in a couple of days and get another one knocked out. Yeah, I'm going to take my microphone with me, so we'll be able to Yes, we'll be able to record one while I'm at home and then maybe record another one while I'm at the tournament. Maybe we can get somebody as a guest up there. Yeah, yeah, maybe. We'll get somebody to help you out, come on with you as a guest. Uh, who do we know is going to be there? That'll be doing I it. I don't know who all shooting it. I haven't seen anyone post about it yet. Hmm. Well, tell you what, people, give us some topics. Give us some stuff you want to hear us discuss or, or thoughts or ideas. I don't care how silly you think it is. We can get into it. Um, other than that, uh, Ethan, you have safe travels. Yep. Uh, have a Merry Christmas, brother. Brother. You too. I'm, we'll talk. But <laughs> Absolutely. And everybody else out there, uh, have a Merry Christmas. And um, – I guess we'll catch you guys on the next one. Yep, sounds good to me. All right. Deuces.